My Govanan, welcome to the Tolkien Lore Channel. I'm the Tolkien Geek, and in this video, I want to go back to the Tale of Adonel, which I did a video on recently. I will link to that in the description below if you want to watch it, which is a story of the fall of man in Tolkien's world. And this is a fairly late development in his development of the mythology overall. And the reason why it's interesting for purposes of this video is it it really details how Morgoth or Melkor treats men versus how he treats elves. And the reason why I find this interesting is why is his approach to the two so radically different? Because from the earliest versions of the story, elves are a group that he doesn't really directly interact with in a way that he tries to, you know, corrupt them by, you know, getting into their good graces and trying to get him to side with him rather than Eru Iluvatar, he does that later on when they're in Valinor and he's got really not much other choice. At first, what he does is he tries to dominate them by fear. He starts kidnapping elves. He, you know, makes things scary around where they live and all this other stuff. But he never goes in person and like, hey, guys, y'all are awesome and I want to help you out so that I can uh, sneaky, sneaky you know, turn you into corrupted individuals. That doesn't happen with elves. But in the tale of Adonel, that is exactly what he does with men. And there were always hints of this, pretty much, in the, even going back, I think, to the earliest versions of the Silmarillion stories, because Tolkien always had the idea that men had a fall that was in their past, but they didn't really talk about. And it was never clear exactly how that worked, but there were stages where it became clear that men thought they were also supposed to be immortal, and this comes up in the Athrabeth. But why then the change? Why does Morgoth at one stage with the elves try to get them to just be afraid and then kidnap some of them and turn them into orcs? Whereas with men, if Adonel's tale is true, or at least close to true, he goes in and specifically tries to cousin them and corrupt them and make them serve him rather than Eru Iluvatar. What's the difference? There's a few ways to look at this. One of them is you could say, well, what he tried with the elves just didn't really work, and therefore, you know, it, he was trying a different approach. And you could take that line of reasoning. It kind of makes some sense. But it's also a little bit questionable, because why did his plan with the elves not work? It's really only because of the interference of the Valar. And that was seemingly by luck, and Morgoth doesn't necessarily have a reason to think that there's not going to be the same kind of luck with men. Also, by the time Tolkien writes the tale of Adonel, he is considering men arising shortly after the rise of elves, and by shortly I mean within a really short span of time, before Morgoth is captured, which means before the war of the Valar on Morgoth to prevent him from doing anything with the elves. In which case, there's not really enough time difference between when the elves and the men arise for him to really change his strategy, it doesn't seem. So I don't think that really works. 
You could also argue that Morgoth knows the difference in nature between elves and men enough to know what will work with one and what will work with the other, but I'm not convinced of that either, because Morgoth was kind of always too proud to pay much attention to what was going on other than what he was interested in, and it specifically says that in the music he wasn't really paying attention. In fact, in the Morgoth's Ring volume, which is, I think, volume 10 of the History of Middle-Earth, he's Tolkien writes a bunch of stuff about Morgoth and Sauron and says Sauron actually paid more attention to the music than Morgoth, who was just too busy doing his own thing. Now, that's also a late writing, but so is the Tale of Adonel, so, I mean, we can consider them in conjunction. If, then, Morgoth is not really paying enough attention to the music, and let's face it, the, the part of the music that is about the children of Eru is really put in there by Eru himself and not even done by the rest of the Valar, he probably paid little or no attention to that at all and didn't understand it if he heard it. So, <laughs> it's not really clear that this would help Morgoth choose different strategies either. So then we're still left with the question, why would he take two completely different approaches? Well... Elves do arise first, so we have to take that into consideration. Men arise second, and it's at least possible that Morgoth knew enough to know that the elves would be immortal and that men would be, you know, destined to leave the circles of the world, as it's often said, and therefore not really tied to Middle-earth in the same way that elves were. Might this have been why he chose different approaches? Because he's thinking that elves, they're kind of stuck here, so I'm just going to mess up their life here. Whereas if men are going to leave in some fashion, I am going to make them serve me so that they will be useless to Eru after they leave Middle-earth. That seems at least a little bit plausible to me. Because that is at least something that seems to have been kind of you know, widespread knowledge among the Ainur, that there's a difference between elves and men in terms of their mortality and all this. Morgoth might have known much of the same information, at least at that basic level. And so it also might play into his ideas of why he would choose elves to corrupt into orcs, although at the same time Tolkien during this period, is reconsidering a lot of that stuff, too. And I don't remember the exact timing of when he writes the Tale of Adonel versus when he writes some of his stuff on the origins of orcs, but he starts messing around with this idea, and he had, you know, originally the version that he had was orcs were just kind of made by Morgoth, and then he's like, well, no, in The Lord of the Rings I wrote that he can't create, so we can't do that, we got to change it. He makes them corrupted elves, because at that point, he still has orcs that arise before the coming of men, so you can't get them from men. But then he starts thinking, well, but that doesn't really work either. Maybe they're men. Maybe they're, you know, kind of like interbred slash tinkered with animals that have been combined with Maiar in the shapes of orcs. Or, you know, he comes up with a bunch of different theories, and so it's hard to pinpoint for sure you know, when he might have started thinking along these lines versus when he's thinking of the tale of Adonel and how Morgoth causes the fall of man. And in the backdrop of all this, of course, we have to consider that the tale of Adonel is a tale, and it's not clear that it is 100% accurate in terms of the information that we're getting out of it. 
So for sake of this video, I'm just assuming that the tale of Adonel is basically correct. In its, you know, its broad sweep, it's basically correct. So the, you know, the going back to the theory then, if Melkor is trying to ruin the eternal destiny of men versus the presumably less than eternal destiny of elves, because one of the seeming constants is that elves are not sure that they're ever going to survive past the end of Arda. Like, their lives are coextensive with the existence of Arda, and beyond that, as far as they know, they just cease to exist. Whereas men, they believe, are going to exist beyond the end of Arda. Although in the Athrobeth, Finrod talks about, you know, we we do have hope that we may exist beyond that, and it may be that men are meant to come in and be part of the restoration of everything. And we have to consider this too, although this is a an element which I really don't think Morgoth would really have in his mind. Finrod comes up with the idea during the Athrobeth, the tale of Adonel is connected to the Athrobeth. It is, you know, when he's writing the Athrobeth, he comes up with this idea of, you know, Finrod pressures Andreth into telling him the story of how men fell. And so it just doesn't make it into the final Athrobeth, but it is written out there and he kind of rejects the idea and she just doesn't tell Finrod what she knows. But if he, if she had, and they have this conversation where Finrod comes up with this idea, which is, you know, I mean, basically mimicking Christianity of God entering into the world itself and perhaps in the form of a man, and by doing so in some manner redeeming creation, you know, Tolkien is just inserting his Christianity here. All of this, I think, would be something that Morgoth would not really know, because that goes way deep into, it's probably not even in the music, let's be honest, but even if it were in the music, I think that that would be way too nuanced and whatever for Morgoth to get. Also, since this is coming from a Christian background, I don't think that Tolkien would necessarily put it in Morgoth's own knowledge that God is going to use men to basically upend everything Morgoth did and fix it all in the end. Because it seems kind of backwards to say that the enemy already knows how he's going to lose, right? The whole idea behind the Christian... <laughs> story is that Satan doesn't really know the purpose of why Christ comes and dies. Satan wants Christ to die because he is, you know, the enemy and therefore falls into the trap of doing exactly what God wants. That That's kind of the theory behind it. So the idea that Morgoth would be smarter than Satan seems a little bit off to me. So I don't really think that's the way Tolkien is going here. But it is possible that he has some notion that men are going to be part of a fixing of Arda, and therefore he wants to ruin men so that they can't be what they were supposed to be. Not realizing that God has, or Eru, you know, in this case, has a backup plan for, well, you can ruin men, but I can redeem them in a way, and therefore I can still get what I want out of it. So this seems to me maybe the most plausible way of looking at the problem of why Morgoth treats these two groups differently. He knows 
probably just enough to know that they have different roles and different natures in terms of their immortality and what they may or may not be here on Earth to do. And therefore, he takes different approaches with them so as to make them as, you know, way off their intended purpose as possible. There's also the fact that we have to remember that, and this goes back, I think, all the way almost when he starts talking about elves being the origins of orcs. But even before that, when he's just making orcs, he's making them as mockeries of the children. And so that kind of gets taken up into the idea of the orcs are literally just corrupted elves and or men and becomes, this is part of why Morgoth does it. He is, and, it, and it's why Tolkien says that it's one of the most evil things, even if it's not one of the most bad on a grand scale things that he ever did. But it's one of the most, you know, really just evil in intent things because he is taking what was supposed to be an act of love and creation of a, a totally new sort of being that was supposed to be in harmony with the Ainur and all this and corrupting them into something hideous and unloving and hateful and all this other stuff. So part of his goal then is to actually invert just the value of having the children of Eru in the first place. And so turning any of them into orcs would be one way to do that question then why not just do that to both of them maybe he did because again Tolkien is reworking his ideas of this after the Lord of the Rings in sort of the same time period but even if not maybe he's thinking that he can do better with elves because they're harder to kill and therefore you can do a lot more to them to corrupt them than you could with men who are much more easy to kill and therefore it's just easier to get started with the stock that's going to be much more easy to work with in that sense. So all of this kind of plays in. And also another thing about elves is they're supposed to be, in some of his later writings, he kind of basically says, elves are meant to be kind of the first wave of mending the hurts of Melkor in Arda. And then men are supposed to come along and inherit the earth after the elves have done their job. This gets talked about in the, Morgoth's ring again as well because it's he's considering okay did the Valar screw up when they brought the elves to Valinor this you know the idea of the elves going to Valinor has always been part of the story and it's always been a part of the story that it was not really clear that that was the right move because there would be some of the Valar who would be like I don't think we should do that Ulmo being the best example but if they don't do that you know, the goal was elves are supposed to be in the earth doing good things on Middle-earth, not just tucked away in Valinor where they can't perform what they, their purpose was. And so when Tolkien is considering all this stuff, it makes sense then that Morgoth would take, if he knows anything about what elves are there for, take the group that is meant to be the greatest source of healing of Arda and turn it into a destructive, hateful force like orcs. So one can imagine a lot of these metaphysical things going on in terms of why Morgoth chooses one route over the other with elves versus men. And it's just, it's hard to say which one is really the, the 
fundamental reason, but I think at the end of the day, like I said earlier, you can probably exclude a few things based on the idea that Melkor knows a lot about the music, because I think he probably didn't know that much about it. But some of them, he probably has just enough of the basic knowledge that it would inform his approach. And also, of course, there is the the out-of-universe reason, which is Tolkien is a Christian, and therefore man has to have sort of a fall, kind of like in the Christian tradition, whereas elves don't. Elves are a very different thing, and so he can do something different mythologically with them. But I agree with Corey Olson, who repeatedly says things like asking why Tolkien does a specific thing and trying to take an out-of-story approach to answering that question is not really the best way to do it. It's always much more interesting to try to find the in-story justification for things because Tolkien was really good at providing in-story coherence and justifications and reasons for all the things that happen. And he spent a lot of time after The Lord of the Rings trying to congeal all that for the Silmarillion because he realized... You know, some of this stuff just doesn't quite work as well anymore, so I need to start fixing some of it, and he spent inordinate amounts of time doing that. So, he's, you know, Tolkien himself is giving us a cue to, you know, try to figure it out within the realm of what the universe itself has to offer us. So, I don't want to resort to, well, Tolkien just wanted the fall of man to be like in the Christian story, and the elves are a different thing. That's kind of a lazy way to answer the question. Uh, But it is, in a sense, a way to answer the question. But I think, more importantly, it informs our ability to answer the question from within the universe. Why, you know, even with that as a background, why would that make sense in-universe to begin with? Because then why wouldn't he just do the same thing to elves? So these are my thoughts on that. I know it's not really like a hard, clear answer because it's it's really difficult to answer. And the, the thoughts have been a little bit hard to congeal because there's so many different moving parts here that could be an aspect of Morgoth's you know, plan, purpose, and whatever. But it's definitely, I think, interesting to think about because the metaphysics of why he would pick one over the other almost have to relate in some way to the different natures of elves and men. And figuring out how that plays into that decision is interesting, because it it also shows Tolkien at his best doing things that he would in some ways kind of warn against doing with Lewis. Like in the, Tolkien would warn Lewis with the screw tape letters, don't think too much about, you know, how Satan and the devils operate. That's not a good plan. But Tolkien himself was not unwilling to engage in the same kind of thought process at a different level of abstraction, in the sense that he was always kind of looking at, you know, how evil thinks. And so Tolkien is perfectly willing to look at, okay, if there is a supreme evil in the world, it's probably thinking in terms kind of like this. He doesn't go to the same kind of granular level as the screw tape letters and say, You know, here's how we manipulate people's minds and do this, this, this. He doesn't do that, but he still kind of does sort of the same thing. And it's interesting to see that thought process working because he is really good at it. He understands how people think in 
both good and bad ways. And it's, you know, everything he does is an interesting study in human nature, if nothing else. And so that, if for no other reason, is, I think, a worthwhile reason to study this kind of thing, even though there's not really a hard answer within the Legendarium itself. So, those are my thoughts on it. I hope you enjoyed that. If you have additional thoughts on it, please do leave them in the comments below. It's definitely a broad but also deep topic. And if you like the video, please do give it a like, share it around. Make sure you subscribe if you want to catch my future content. Hit the bell icon if you're on YouTube, because otherwise you might miss some notifications. Also check the description below for social links, other platform links, and support links. On Twitter, I drop Tolkien-related trivia questions three times a week, usually. And until the next time, I'm the Tolkien Geek, signing out for the Tolkien Lore Channel. Namarie. Thanks to all my channel supporters, especially Elf Friends P.A. Brew News, Nathan Dufour, and Paul Leone.